have some information for you. We set we set some dates. We've got a date. Uh, so the uh, the tenth. So the tenth. The tenth of June, which is in two weeks from today, will be uh, Brandon's commissioning. So uh, Eric's going to be here. He's going to come up and join. That's kind of we're waiting to try to um, coordinate some different schedules and different things. But um, anyway, Eric is going to be with us and going to be a part of that, which is going to be a lot of fun. And um, and then pretty much after the tenth, Brandon will be here um, full time with us. Um, he's going to be commuting commuting through the summer and stuff. So he won't be living in Weaverville yet, but. Um, they'll pretty much be here throughout the week, and um, so that's kind of the the big the big day will be the tenth. Um, so that means that next week, the third, is that right? The third, yep, um, is my last Sunday of preaching. So that's fun. I don't mean for all eternity. I just mean as a senior leader, next Sunday is my last Sunday, um, and uh, I. I, I'm excited and I'm nervous and I'm a little, I don't know what I am, but um, I, I've been kind of sharing this at the beginning of, of every message really, but um, that this process is just a really interesting process. It's, um, as Shelly and I were talking, it, it kind of feels like I'm retiring is weird yeah <laughs> that's it's not there's like nothing fits what i feel like i'm doing but uh but it's like i imagine re- retirement i kind of might feel like um it kind of feels like i'm dying a little bit <laughs> in some ways i don't mean in i don't mean i feel like i'm dying it just feels like i'm like preparing my own funeral or something i don't know it's weird um but for the most part it's it's pretty exciting and um, and especially when something, and even though I've known it's going to be, it's coming one of those coming Sundays when we decided this week, we finally kind of nailed down that date and got all the information we needed to do that. And I realized like, oh, I have two more Sundays. Something shifted. I have no idea what it was, but it was like, oh, that was weird. And, uh, and I thought, man, what do I what am I going to say? I've had all this time to say it, and now I only have an hour and a half left. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of started praying through, like, and I thought, actually, my first thought was, like, oh, I'll try to kind of sum up the last ten years. And then that I threw out the window. I'm like, That'll, we'll be here for weeks trying to figure out all the things I've tried to say. And uh, But uh, I... I want to share today. I want, I want to share kind of specifically something that I was trying to figure out. What have I learned? What have I learned? What have, What are the things that I've been I've, I've mentioned, like kind of identifying like things I've deposited and things like that, and bringing up kind of old messages that I've loved and and that have been markers in in my life and our life here and. 
this is kind of one of those and and but also really it came to mind when I asked that question God what have I what have I learned what have, what have I grown in and and pretty much there isn't an area that I haven't grown in in 10 years of course but um, this is one of the first things that came up and it's actually one of the things that I would uh, that we do really um, well here but that also like anything we can always use more of and, and an upgrade of and a clear understanding of and and that is compassion. And I want to talk about compassion. I want to talk about how... I want to actually look at how... How motivated... And powerful Jesus was... On the... Backside of... Of a... Of a compassionate viewpoint. If that makes sense. A compassionate perspective. And that... Uh, that oftentimes some of the most, if not the most powerful things Jesus did, maybe all of them, arguably, but um, were done because of compassion. Even, even to the point of the cross. And um, that for, for most of you guys that have heard me, some of you guys have heard me preach literally hundreds of times. Um, I like figuring out the, the human condition. I like trying to figure out, and like a Rubik's Cube, we're all different, but there is similarities to uh, to the way we interact with the world, the way we, I've talked about culture a lot, and how value creates lifestyle, creates culture. You guys remember that phrase? That what we what we deem important, what we decide is valuable to us as a as a group of people, we actually will shift our lifestyle lifestyle to protect that. So value creates lifestyle, and then once lifestyle actually becomes repetitive and actually uh, habitual, meaning that we don't actually have to think about it or do it intentionally, then that's when it actually becomes a culture. It's ex- it's expected behavior of a group of people, and. And so I've, culture fascinates me why, uh, and, and Tim and I have talked a lot about culture because he's crazy and I have a perfectly normal culture and he comes from a weird culture. Okay, that's a joke. He's from not in our, anyway. If you didn't know, Tim's not from California. He got it. He was the only one smiling. Everybody else says, what's wrong with Tim? Everything. No, uh, we get we get to talk about culture all the time because it's a lot of fun uh, with him being from New Zealand and how different even just words are. Of course, words and language is reflected in culture, but but it's just the different ways we think that we don't. It's not intentional. We don't think the way we don't decide some things we do once we realize that we think a certain way, but some things we just think because of where we came from. And so it's fun discovering those and, um, with somebody that you have a connection and a loving relationship with because it's safe and you're like well that's that's like i was saying that's weird that you think that way and he's like well i think it's weird you think that way wow interesting and oftentimes with cultural things there's no right or wrong it's just different and um so it's a lot of fun and and everywhere has a culture and this this group of people um has a culture every every different group has a culture things are a little bit different we have 
small family cultures. We have community cultures. We have state culture. We have different regions of our state that have different cultures. You know if you've been anywhere. We have culture on one end of the town or one street that's different from another street, even in our little town. We have little cultures, things that mark us as people. And I've always loved discovering those things because when you know them and you discover them, you can actually realize that the kingdom has a culture. The kingdom actually has a... Uh, a the, and the kingdom is, to, to define it, the kingdom is anywhere the king is. What's amazing about, about God, what's amazing about the king, is there's actually places that he's chosen to allow us to reign. Your life is one of them. He actually chooses, out of love for you, to give you the influence over your own life. You can actually decide, no thank you. No thanks, God. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be the king of my own life. And you can do what you want. It's amazing. We, we, we think about it, but it's an amazing, loving gift. The gift of choice. The gift of... And, and I've taught on that a whole bunch too, but why, they, why God put a choice in the garden before sin entered the world. Why God put a choice that He never wanted us to take. Because you can't have love without choice. You don't have a choice not to choose it, then you don't have a choice to choose it. And so God actually gave Adam and Eve a choice and said, don't do this. It would have been a lot easier for us, right? If we didn't have a choice. There wasn't a tree. God actually created an an option that he didn't want them to take. That's such a powerful revelation. The power of choice and the power of love and what it really is. And... uh, it always makes me a little bit nervous when people say, well, I'm just going to follow whatever doors God's opening. Mm, I, I totally understand that concept. And, uh, but the idea of trying all the doors to see which one's unlocked might not be the best way to, to live your life. You might find yourself in a room you didn't, he never intended you to be in. Actually, yeah, I unlocked that door and I left it there because I wanted you to choose something else. Which in some ways doesn't make any sense, but... It's still the loving uh, gift of an amazing king. So the kingdom is anywhere that, that the king reigns, which when we invite the king, it becomes the kingdom. And then the kingdom slowly, the culture that we invite him into slowly becomes the culture of our king. Because what we value affects how we live, our lifestyle, which creates our culture. And so it's amazing when we identify, we have to identify values of the kingdom. What's important to God? What's important to what's important in the kingdom? How does how does God think? How does the kingdom think? How do people that belong to that culture, how do they think? Right? If we if we just separate into these two huge cultures, we have the world and we have the kingdom. And we know the world doesn't all think the same. But the kingdom, and of course the kingdom has all, infinite amount of, of aspects and, 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 and thoughts, but there's, we, we know some aspects of the kingdom or some values of the kingdom that stick out that we know, okay, that's the kingdom. Love is one of them. Kindness. We can look at the fruit of the Spirit, which we talked about last week. Those are, those are values of the kingdom. Patience. Kindness. That kindness isn't just an action, it's actually a culture. That patience isn't just an action, it's not just be patient, wait, 
Learn how to wait. No, it's actually a culture. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of processing the world and seeing the world around us. And compassion is also one of those things. Compassion is, is a motivator in the kingdom. It's, compassion is, a, is this is fuel that goes in whatever you're putting fuel in. Sorry, my brain just dropped that one. But what's amazing is you see Jesus. I want to read some stories and I'll give you a bunch of scriptures and stuff. But um, I was I was thinking through like, okay, two messages, God. What do you? And uh, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but um, I felt like the Lord said, "Compassion. It's compassion. Look at." So I started looking through all these um, places in Scripture and different attributes of how Jesus was moved with compassion. And the word that's translated in compassion, uh, most common word, is only used 12 times. Um, once for the defining the Good Samaritan and the Good Samaritan had compassion. Um, and, and what we see is like, and this is something I've talked about too, which I'll just preface, is that um, words, words are amazing to me. I've always loved um, communication. I've taught on communication a bunch of times. and It's one of my favorite things actually to talk about because it's so much more than words. But uh, how maybe what's even more importantly than What's more important in a culture than a concept is actually uh, how to communicate that concept. And one of the things I've found is that we actually agree more often than quite, quite a bit. I'll say it like that. We actually agree quite a bit. But the words we use to describe certain things, we actually lose our connection through, through the wrong words. So like we're just... Tim and I were just... This is why I was thinking about this when I brought Tim up. But we were just... Uh, Shannon and I just spent all yesterday planting plants in our yard that we've been preparing for for um, years. It's been years. We've been landscaping and all this stuff. But anyway, we finally got the plants in the ground and water going to them, and we're all excited for them. Tim and Anna came over and saw it. And, and, and Tim knows enough to kind of like catch himself on different words. But he told me, I'm going to tell a little bit different than it actually happened, kind of. But he, he said that it, it looks homely. Now, he caught himself before he said homely because he knew he's ran into this before. He's been here long enough. But we had a laugh at the difference between what homely means where he comes from and what homely means where we come from. Right? What's homely mean where we come from? The ugly. But where Tim comes from, homely actually means homey. And not what homey means like somewhere else. That's a different culture, but to all of us here, right? Homie means, oh, it feels nice. It looks good. It's like, oh, it feels welcoming. Totally different from homely, but really only a, a little bit different in spelling and in pronunciation. And anyway, we're like the importance of words and the importance of, of, of 
of connection and knowing each other. And and anyway, it's it's been a blast for me. But but defining compassion, um, it's like any word, love being that word too. That um, when I say the word love, all of us have a a if you can picture. Um, there's a wall. Actually, picture like uh, the post office, post office boxes, walls lined with boxes everywhere. And every word that you know has a box. Some of them are big, lots of entries, lots of things have been put in that box. The word love is huge. Everything from I love ice cream to I love my grandma is is in this box. We've put entries. And then other people actually put entries into this box. And they define that word for you. The same way with compassion. We've put entries. Everything from what things I've said about compassion to things you've read to TV program, everything. Everything, when you hear that word, every time you hear the word compassion, there's an entry put into it. And, there, and, the, and the, it may get defined. The definition might change a little bit. But we have, and we have hundreds of these words. Every word that we know has some sort of connection and definition connected to it. And as we talk, we actually pull these files. Our brain's pretty amazing. We pull these files really fast and we put them all together and we build sentences that actually try and mean something based on how we define all these words. So if I say something like, I need to grow in compassion. Now you've taken those words need is a good one what does need mean we take a definition for need we put it in there grow we take a definition we put it in there compassion we take a definition we put them in there Cameron needs to grow in compassion and what might you hear there could be millions of different things you could hear but you might hear Cameron doesn't like how compassionate he is even though that's not what I said you might think Cameron made a mistake He's telling us he made a mistake, even though that's not what I said. Right? So we have all this really interesting. Are you interested or are you bored? I don't know. It's really interesting how we build things and how we define things. And so what's really important is we're going to talk about something. And I want to, I'm, I'm saying all this, I'm spending time on this, because if I see anything happening in relationships, and especially in church, but everywhere, it's that we don't know that we do this. And we think that when someone says something, we define it, and the way we define it is what they meant. When nothing could be farther from the truth. It's never true. You guys repeat that with me? It's never true. It's never true that what they say is what we think they say. Never. It's never true. Sometimes we can get really close. But because they have pulled from all their boxes to make their sentence... You pull from all your boxes to understand their sentence. And none of your boxes are the same. Some of them are really close. Some of them, I mean, if you guys define compassion together, you might get really close to the same thing, but it's not the same. You don't have the same experiences. You don't have the same people in your life. You don't have the same, oh, nothing's the same, right? So one of the things that is is really most challenging, and I'm, I, I, I'm off my notes, but I decided to stop for a second is because um, we're about to experience a, a culture shift. 
We're going to get somebody that's standing behind this pulpit that actually believes and thinks and talks and and explains and and defines all of the things I've been talking about for 10 years. He defines and does all that stuff different. And if you listen to him using the same boxes that I've been filling for 10 years. There's another chance that for one at, at greatest, you'll just misunderstand. At worst, we'll get offended, we'll get hurt, we'll be opinionated, we'll be judgmental. That's, that's the worst case scenario. We'll, we leave, we just don't like it. And so I want to encourage you, like, what we want to do is, kind of what I'm going to do in a little bit, but what we want to do is we want to realize that we do that. So when someone says something like compassion, when someone says something like judgment, that's a really good one. Someone says something like judgment. When someone says whatever the words need, that's a good one too. Or needy. When some say, someone says something like opinion, that we know that their definition, that the boxes they're pulling from are different than the boxes. And 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 what's amazing is that it's actually not that difficult if you have time to just take a minute and say, "Hey, can you?" Like, show me what is, is this what you meant? This is what I'm hearing. Is this what you, what did you mean when you say that? Instead of, I've already decided what you mean, and I've kind of sliced it up, and this is why I'm upset about what you said. I cannot tell you how many times. And some of these seats are empty because of it. Over the last 10 years. And someone will come into my office, or send me an email, or, Facebook message me or whatever and tell me what I said. It's not what I said. I I can't tell you how many times. Less than the first three or four years. Empty seats. But we didn't have that, that understanding that that Tim and I have. That he could come and say, hey, your yard looks homely. And instead of me getting offended, I could laugh. Because why? Why? Because I know Tim is encouraging. Tim is never says, would say anything to hurt my feelings. Especially I'm all covered in dirt and sweat. He's like, he would never say that. So what do I, what do I, I first of all assume? Oh, I, wrong words or something. I don't know. What just happened? That's not what you mean. Right? We, we could do that. Why? Because we have a relationship. It's just as easy without relationship, without connection, without our history, for me to go, man, he's so rude. And not say anything. And be like, well, all right, well, I'll see you later. And just keep it in my heart. Like, oh, man, yeah, Tim's so rude. We do it all the time. Now, that's a huge obvious one that has an obvious definitional difference between words but we have way more I don't know just definitional a word just made that up it is now it's been recorded it's real anyway you know what I mean see good I think you do anyway okay we spend enough time on that what were we talking about compassion I uh so yeah compassion is is um at the word that's translated in compassion it's translated uh, 12 times in the New Testament into the actual word compassion. But um, 
Why are you saying once for the Good Samaritan, twice for God's compassion towards sinners? And then the rest of them um, are actually in stories of Jesus being motivated towards people. And while it's only translated into compassion 12 times, it's actually the, the to see his compassion is infinite amounts in Scripture. And, I, and it's actually challenging to even see to read a story about Jesus and not see his compassion. It was such a part of how he operated. It was such a value. It was such a lifestyle for Jesus that everything he did, he operated in compassion. He saw um, he saw people. The definition for compassion is uh, sympathetic concern for the suffering or misfortune of others. there's a whole lot of different suffering and misfortune. But the idea of compassion is easily seen hundreds of times in Scripture. I just want to pull out a couple of them. Um, In Matthew 9, because I think sometimes right right now and, and we, some things are easy to see and easy to have compassion towards some things it's like when we um, you know being in the disaster relief and uh, you know situation that I'm in right now with taking teams out it's actually pretty easy when a hurricane comes and and knocks down 90% of a town everyone looks at that with compassion now their compassion takes all different forms but everybody looks at that and goes wow that's a bummer Man, that's, you know, we can look at, at Junction City when the fire swept through there and went, wow, we're all like, compassion is something that we are, are naturally, it's an, it's an emotion that happens. And we all feel it differently. We all react differently out of, out of those boxes of how we define it. But, but it's not, no, uh, hopefully, maybe there is some, actually there probably is some, but most of us will look on a situation like that, an extreme situation like that, with compassion. Unfortunately, that, that it's sometimes the little things that we miss, and sometimes, especially as believers, our compassion comes with judgment in the, in the littler situations. But even in the big ones. You know, in, in disaster relief, going to places... All these people need help. They're all in the same situations. And there's a lot of actually um, faith-based responders out there in the field as we're showing up. So I'm thinking of, of Hurricane Harvey, Texas. We're pulling on. There's, there's a lot of faith-based responding happening. People are stepping up. Churches are stepping up and sending teams and doing all that kind of stuff. It's, 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 a, it's not difficult that just under the layer of compassion is actually... A layer of judgment. And um, I got to I got to bring it up and we kind of talked about it and realizing that that's there's we actually have like policy to protect us from falling into that. In our, in our that like and we can get kind of judgmental. Anyway, that, that's not what I'm talking about, but 
it's in there. Um, where was I? Matthew 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And in Matthew 15:32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on their way. I, I, um, Jesus had compassion for people's situation. Oh, sorry. Matthew, that was Matthew 9 and Matthew 15. Well, maybe it wasn't Matthew 9. My note says it's Matthew 9. Your Bible's probably wrong. <laughs> it's not Matt 9. Maybe it's 19. <laughs> Could be. I have 9, 35, and 36. Is it there? Oh, it is there. Thanks for interrupting me, though, on that. <laughs> sorry, I thought I said that. I'm sorry. Uh, and then the second one, we could, you guys can check this too. Matthew 15:32, and this is right before he uh, they feed the feed all the, the people and the fishes and the loaves and all that. Um, but what, one of the things I want to look at is that that uh, actually Jesus was moved with compassion, oftentimes, and I wonder. Uh, I wonder how long, we can't really see it, but I wonder how long Jesus was actually moved and mentioned a problem that was moving him with compassion before there was any kind of response or action. Meaning that like, so these people are hungry, they're getting hungrier. It's been, we know it's been three days. And some point in the, in the pretty near future, maybe, maybe 30 minutes, maybe three hours later, maybe six hours later, they get food. But I wonder if, they were obviously hungry. He noticed. He didn't want them to send them away. He wanted to feed them. And I, and I wonder how much time passed and where their heart was with him on uh, between them knowing what their need was, him noticing their need, and then him delivering the solution for the need. And it made me think about if I was in that crowd... I may have been grumbling about being hungry while he was planning to feed me. And I wonder how much time that that's what's happening. How much time do, do we, do, are we thinking about and bummed out and like, oh, we're going to have to walk home and I might faint on the way home. I don't know. I don't know like how it was going, but, but, um, but in that process, he wasn't making an announcement like, hey, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to feed you before you go. He just took his disciples aside and said, hey, look, let's not send them away. I know they're hungry. They've been following. They've been with us. Let's feed them. So figure something out. And so then that story happens. And I just I was thinking about how motivated Jesus is in, in compassion. And then even this, uh, as he's noticing these people, and he didn't do necessarily anything to change the situation in Matthew 9. But he noticed that the, the, they were an abused people, wandering without a shepherd. And he was teaching and he was 
He was leading and He was creating, but He didn't fix that problem. And I wonder how many times, and I, and I guess I want this to sink into to the way we interact and pray and, and our relationship with Jesus, that knowing that He knows does mean something. And just because He knows doesn't mean it always changes. Or doesn't mean it changes when we want it to change. Like, but I'm hungry now. You know? Anyway, compassion. Jesus saw His people and, and had compassion. I, I love this. It was a little bit harder to see, but I, but I see it as compassion. Um, and this is the part that I'm going to pull out is in Mark 16, I hope. Uh, Mark 16, 7. And it's after Jesus, after Jesus uh, is raised from the dead and he is telling, uh, what was he telling? Mary, I think, to go and, and tell the disciples and announce. And, and he says, tell the disciples and Peter. If you remember the story, Peter uh, had denied Jesus three times. And um, I love that. I love that Jesus was inclusive to Peter. Like, hey, make sure that Peter knows he's not out. And I, and I think about, um, and, and read on in the story, they ended up going and he, he ends up kind of like reinstating Peter. He asks him, because Peter denied him three times, he asks him three times, do you love me? And Peter gets to kind of, Re-enter and then kind of get commissioned as as the rock. Like you're going to do this, and the church is going to yeah, a lot. Sorry, but um, but anyway, it's a, it's a it's an amazing thing that we see these little glimpses. He didn't have to do that, but we see this little glimpse of his heart. Did he say, "Go grab the grab the disciples"? And for anybody, including Peter or you guys that think he might be disqualified, tell him to make sure he's included. He had compassion for the situation, even after this guy that he knew was going to, he knew, right? He told him ahead of time, you're going to deny me. You're going to bail on me, Peter. And then Peter, even knowing that, like, no way, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm with you. Okay, yeah, I did it. Three times in a row. And then Jesus goes, I, I, I personally think that's compassion. It's understanding. It's like, hey, I get it. It was scary. It was a scary moment. Here I am getting arrested and I've talked about dying and like, this is a scary moment. Crowds are angry. People are yelling. People are getting arrested. Things are happening. I get it. It doesn't make it okay. But it also doesn't disqualify you. I I just love that. Maybe because I feel like Peter a lot of times. God, please don't disqualify me. No, tell the church and Cameron. Now, there's dozens of times throughout the Gospels and and uh, and beyond that we see Jesus' compassion on the sick. Um, even in the, what the verse I read before, going throughout the land and healing all their sick. And um, Matthew 14 says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. And healed their sick. Um, 
Matthew 20. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they had heard Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked him. This is where the culture of the people and the culture of the kingdom had not lined up yet. Right? So Jesus, carrying the kingdom culture, is moved with compassion. And the people are like, hey, be quiet. Like, you're sick and blind and no, have, we have no need for you, so be quiet. And what, what does Jesus do? Just Jesus stopped and called to them, what do you want me to do? Sorry, no. What do you want me to do for you? There we go. He asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes immediately. They received their sight and followed him. So he's walking and, and he's, I guess he doesn't see him. I don't know what you believe and how conscious Jesus was of full. I feel like Jesus, anyway, that's a different. But Jesus is walking down and these guys call out to him. He, he says, what do you need? They say, come heal. So, so the, the group of people that were kind of walking with Jesus and learning and growing and learning all these things. They wanted it to stay on track. You guys, be quiet. We're, we're, we're busy here. We're doing something. It's very important. This is Jesus. Just be blind over there and quiet. And what does Jesus do? Jesus actually stops. They're going and he stops. And he's like, all this that we're doing is important. But compassion tells me I'm going to go over here and I'm going to see what these guys need. What do you need? And they say, we're blind. We'd... Hello? We're blind. Oh, yeah. Compassion. It's an amazing motivator. It's a plan changer. Another story in Mark 10. There's a whole bunch of these in, in the beginning of Mark. Mark 1, 40 through 45 talks about he hears, heals a, um, a man with leprosy. And, um. I'm trying to move a little bit faster. I don't want to take too much time before I get to. I, I, I love seeing also Jesus moved by our emotions. And the more I learn about emotions, the more I love that he's moved by them. Because our emotions are like the wind. They change depending on the temperature. Our emotions are not our, our, and I've taught that this is a, this is a whole message to teach on emotions. That one of my favorite messages to talk about because emotions are one of those amazing gifts that we have that we were created to have emotion, um, and one of probably the most misunderstood and misrepresented and blamed things, uh, and, and consequentially we've in a lot of ways devalued them. Um, but there's some important things to understand about our, that our emotions are always valuable. Not always valid, but they're always valuable. They're not always true or real, but they're always important. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a tension on those two things that emotions are blamed for poor behavior all the time. But the problem is not emotion. The problem is behavior. But we, we blame our lack of self-control or someone else's lack of self-control on the fact that they are emotional. For most of us, if we call someone emotional, it's not an encouraging term. It's not a, 
Like, wow, you're amazing. You're so emotional. Right? We, it's, not a, it's not a valuing term. However, emotions are actually a gift from God. And if you're not emotional, you're missing out on one of the major gifts of your creation. Like, actually experiencing emotion is an amazing way that we are created. It's amazing. Now, being out of control, while we blame our emotions sometimes, it's actually a different issue altogether. They're connected, and sometimes they're fueled by all that. But it's really important that we oftentimes throw out emotion or blame emotion for our lack of self-control. Anyway, that's another message, like I said. But, but I love that Jesus actually moved with compassion and... and uh, and, and moved with his own emotion is moved because of his, his love and compassion for us. That he actually has compassion, empathy, and, and understanding for even the emotion that he knows he's going to change. He, like, he like gets down with us in this moment. That's, that's, I love it. There's this... There's a, there's a couple times where the story of Jesus raising the dead is in Scripture, and I have actually the I put the wrong one. This one's good too, but um, when when Jesus Jesus wept over his friend Lazarus before he raised him from the dead, why did he do that? Because he's emotional. But because he had compassion, he, he, I don't know, it's amazing. That's, it's a whole other story I'm not going to preach a ton on. But the fact that Jesus was compassionate, compassionate and moved and was connected to our emotions, that, that is connected to, he decides to enter into a relationship where your, how, you're, how you are feeling actually affects how he's feeling, affects how he felt. Whether it's valid or true or real or like he, he, he chooses to allow your emotion to affect his emotion. I put that in the same box as compassion. That's how I, I include that in compassion. He has compassion for our emotion. And so he allows our emotion to actually affect the way he feels. That's amazing. We're talking about God. We're talking about the guy that took the world and in seven days, like, whipped it out. And he's like, oh, you, you feel bad? Yeah, that makes me feel bad. You're sad? Oh, I feel sad, too. I'm planning on changing that in, like, 15 minutes. But I'm going to feel sad with you for a minute. It's amazing. I'm more like... It's not that big a deal. Put your wine in. It's one of this specific thing is actually one of the things that I've um, that I've learned a lot here because I, I I've learned probably the most I've learned about myself, tons about myself. It's real easy. Uh, never mind. Um, I'm pretty driven. I'm pretty task focused. I I like to build things and and. I like to see things moving forward. 
And oftentimes, um, especially in the beginning, not so much anymore, but especially in the beginning, I, I didn't oftentimes have time for emotion. Not my own. I had emotion, but I didn't have time for people's emotion. I didn't have time for like, uh, I just want to get to the solution so we could get back to the the project. Um, and it's not right or wrong. It just is. And learning about myself and realizing that I need to know that I operate that way and, and encourage other people to know that I operate that way a little bit so so we can kind of build on that and from that. But but I uh, I remember learning this. I, I remember seeing it. That Jesus was on his way to heal, to raise someone from the dead, even though he waited for them. Like he had this mission. He's like, I'm going to hang out here. I'm going to let him die. And then I'll show up and I'll get to reveal again another level of, of power that I walk in. And, and, and so he had this. And then he runs into people that are mourning. And all of a sudden, he stops the timing. Or maybe he knew the timing or whatever. But he, again, he stopped and he's moved by their emotion and he stops and he and he cries with them. Even though he knows he's about to walk in and completely change all of their emotions. Everybody's emotions in the in the in the vicinity were about to change from mourning to celebration. Right? He was dead. He's not dead. Right? I had an emotional response a minute ago, and now my emotions are completely different. That's what I mean by the changing of our emotions are stuck to our circumstances. So what was true for me five minutes ago isn't true for me now. Why? Because Jesus. But yet Jesus five minutes ago still stopped and cried with me. Even though he knew in five minutes we would be celebrating. That's amazing. That's an amazing compassionate value for the way we feel. And I realize if if it's good for Jesus, it's good for me. I should slow down a little bit. I should wait. Even though I know, ah, you'll, be, you'll feel fine. You just need a good night's sleep. Ah, you'll feel fine. You'll feel different. Oh, you'll, whatever. Let it go. I learned it. I learned it with my kids. Stop. I, I used to try. And, I, and it's one of, one of the few moments in, in my, not a few moments, but there's a couple moments I remember this specifically entering into a, re- a conversation to talk them out of what they were feeling because I didn't feel like it was rational. I still don't feel like it was rational or even maybe healthy. But when I learned this and I entered into their emotion with them, something was totally different. Something different happened. And it came from this revelation that that Jesus stopped and felt emotion. Jesus was moved towards our emotion with compassion. Even when he knew that, that the emotion was about to be wrong. If that makes sense. Simplified. But that emotion was about to be wrong. We're crying because he's dead. And in five minutes he won't be dead. So we're doing something that doesn't do anything. We're doing something that's wrong. It's like, what are you guys doing? Stop crying. Which he did that too. Another time. 
Okay. That's another message again. Sorry. Okay. We're almost done. It's Wow, it's late. Okay. So I'm just going to kind of blow through this real quick and end and it. But, um, Ephesians 4.32 is kind of where we take all of this and and we we pour it into the church. Like, what does it mean? How do we do it? Um, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. It's a simple, simplified um, explanation for compassion, but the, the instruction to be compassionate, excuse me, the instruction to, to be compassionate, that, that compassion in the church, um, in the ways we've just seen Jesus showing compassion, compassion for people's situation, compassion for people's uh, discomfort, physical or or and then compassion for people's emotion whether we it's whether we feel like it's valid or or important or right or wrong or um that there's a movement that we need to have this movement towards people with compassion towards situations with compassion um and it's it really is contrary like we were starting off saying that um that it's easy to see when wind or water or whatever wipes out. We have our first storm coming, by the way. Our first named storm, hurricane of the season, is, is in the Gulf right now. Um, and and so when we see these things on the news, we we and they're they're coming, and things get wiped out. And people, compassion is natural. So we we whatever we drop ten bucks and text ten dollars, whatever. So we we're moved that way. But I, but I want to bring it down to actually life and church life and work life and community life and, and the greater community and, um, that we're, we're charged to walk in constant compassion and so that even in our busyness, even in our cruising down, teaching, doing our thing, that, that two blind guys that people are hushing will still get our attention. It's a consciousness of, of compassion that I believe we're, we're called to walk in and especially to people that um, and, and I, I say this without defining it because I don't have time but but I'll say it and hopefully you guys hear my heart especially towards people that don't deserve it everybody deserves compassion so I'm saying it with that context but the people that we would say don't deserve it the people that don't naturally deserve it I mean, there's no one someone's sitting there all busted up and like uh, you know oh they deserve compassion but when someone's yelling at you or or Smashing their cart into you and Winco to get in front of you in line or whatever it is. Think of those people that they actually need compassion as much, if not more. And that compassion needs to operate in every situation, but especially to those that we would deem not worthy of compassion. That was the point of turn the other cheek. Was don't act like you think you should act. Act like the kingdom acts. <laughs> if it makes sense, it's probably not the kingdom. <laughs> right? Turn the other cheek. Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, that's the point. Is that it's not good for you, it's good for them. That's the point. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Compassion wins when we elevate our love for someone over our assumptions and judgments about them. Assumption and judgment will always smother compassion. 
It may be against our human nature to be compassionate. But it's not against our new nature. When we are saved, we are given all the resources we need to feel the needs and the burdens of others. Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm rolling through a whole bunch. I talked a lot this morning. That's what happens when you get down to the end. You truly, you just never know what a little compassion will do. Um, And remember that compassion is more than just feeling sorry for someone. It's more than just pity. It's a desire to reach out and make a difference in someone's life. In reality, compassion, real compassion, is is being Christ to people. And it it was great what um, Bob Kilpatrick said. It's like, oh man, that's awesome. You're here. I don't know, it was a month ago or something. He was here. He talked about what would Jesus do, and the belief of what would Jesus do actually comes from the. a belief system that he's not here doing it <laughs> and that really it should be what is what is Jesus doing what is Jesus doing well we know what he's doing because we've seen what he's done what's Jesus doing it's not if Jesus was here what would he be doing but stop and Jesus is living and alive the Holy Spirit is living inside of us so what is Jesus doing his compassion will ring in your ears if you let it. Right, will you guys stand up with me? I'll pray and go. So exciting times coming. Exciting things happening. And... uh Yeah, I just want to pray for for us to have compassion. Compassion in in our... And I have a whole message on judgment. And so I I want to say compassion in our judgment. Because we're actually in one level in the correct way. We're actually called to to judge. Not in a way that that God judges sin. But in a way uh, that... um, Yeah, sorry, thank you. Discernment is a discerning right from wrong is actually a judgment. Anyway, that's a whole other message, but um, but we're never called to judge without the fruit of the spirit. We're never called to judge without kindness and gentleness and love and self control. Never. Compassion included. You actually can be judgmental within the kingdom and still get it right. I'll say that again. You can actually be judgmental within the culture of the kingdom and get it right. God judges us every day. 
And through Jesus, he says, you're ready to be judged. You're actually clean and pure. So any judgment that doesn't find someone clean and pure, you're actually overstepping. Actually telling Jesus, telling God, like, eh, the cross wasn't quite enough for that. For that person, for that thing. I'm going to go ahead and hold on to it. Anyway, again, another message. Compassion. Lord, I I pray that you'd strengthen us in compassion. That you would just, uh, you'd soften our hearts. You'd soften our hearts towards the, the, the kingdom and the importance of compassion. The importance of seeing people like you see them. The importance of responding how you're responding. The importance of being with you in response with compassion that we would stop for the one that we would that we would connect and understand and value people's emotion that we would serve in a way that's compassionate that we would give when we can of our time of our finances of our advice of our prayer of our thoughts and emotions that would be a generous people driven by compassion kingdom compassion thank you Lord that you're so good to us thank you Lord that you value us and love us so much and I just I just pray for this next month this month of of kind of the final transition that's happening that we would that we would walk through it with compassion and understanding as a culture begins to shift, whether it's big shifts or little shifts, things that are happening, Lord, I pray that you would just make, to, make us flexible. Make us flexible, that we, would, that we would filter and hear everything we judge through compassion and grace and mercy. And let us just enjoy this time. That you're doing something new. You're doing something different. You're changing things for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.